Chapter 14 of Balsamo the Magician by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Outcast's Luck But in his long journey to Paris, he had often to regret this abode which he had cursed. Sore, wearied, famished, for he had lost his coin, he fell in the dusty highway, but with clenched fists and eyes glaring with rage. "'Out of the way there!' yelled a hoarse voice amid cracking of a whip. He did not hear, for his senses left him. He remained before the hooves of the horses, drawing a post-chaise up a side road between Fauclair and Tiblemont, which he had not perceived. A scream pealed from inside the carriage, which the horses were whirling along like a feather on the gale. The post-boy made a superhuman effort and managed to keep his horses from trampling on the boy, though one of the leaders gave him a kick. "'Good God!' screamed a woman again. "'You have crushed the unhappy child!' The lady traveller got out, and the postillion alighted to lift Gilbert's body from under the wheel. "'What luck!' said the man. "'Dashed if he be hurt! Only swooned!' "'With fright, I suppose!' "'I'll drag him to the roadside, and let us go on, since your ladyship is in hot haste!' I cannot possibly leave this poor boy in such a plight. So young, poor little thing. It is some truant scholar undertaking a journey beyond his powers. How pale he is. He will die. No, no, I would not abandon him. Put him inside, on the front seat. The postboy obeyed the lady who had already got in the Berlin, as were called such carriages. Gilbert was put on a good cushion with his back supported by the padded sides. "'Away you go again,' said the lady. Ten minutes lost, for which you must make up, while I will pay you the more.' When Gilbert came to his senses he found himself in the coach, swept along by three post-horses. He was not a little surprised, too, to be almost in the lap of a young woman who attentively studied him. She was not more than twenty-five. She had cheeks scorched by the southern sun, with a turn-up nose and gray eyes, a clear character of cunning and circumspection was given to her open and jovial countenance by the little mouth of delicate and fanciful design. Her arms, the finest in the world, were molded in violet velvet sleeves adorned with gilt buttons. Nearly the whole vehicle was filled up by the wavy folds of her large, flower-patterned gray silk dress. As the countenance was smiling and expressed interest, Gilbert stared for fear he was in a dream. "'Well, are you better, my little man?' asked she. "'Where am I?' counter-queried Gilbert, who had learned this phrase from novels, where alone it is used. "'In safety, my dear little fellow,' replied the lady in a southern accent. "'A while ago you ran great risk of being smashed under my carriage wheels. What happened to you to drop on the high road right in the middle?' I swooned from having walked some eighteen leagues since four yesterday afternoon, or rather run. Whither are you bound? To Versailles, lady. I come from Tavernay, a castle between Pierrefitte and Bar-le-Duc. Did you not give yourself time to eat? I had neither the time nor the means. For I lost a bit of money, 
and I soon ate the crusts I carried. Poor boy! But you might have asked for more bread. I am too proud, lady, said Gilbert, smiling loftily. Pride is all very well, but not when it lets one die of hunger. Death before disgrace. Hello! Where did you learn such talk? Not at home, for I am an orphan. My name is Gilbert, and no more. Some by-blow of a country squire, thought the woman. You are very young to roam the highway, she continued. I was not roaming, said the youth, who thought the truth would recommend him to a woman. I was following a carriage. With your lady love in it? Dear me, there is a romance in your adventure. Gilbert was not enough his own master not to redden. What was the carriage, my little Cato? One of the Dauphiness's retinue. What? Is she ahead of us? exclaimed the woman. Are they not making a fuss over her along the route? They wanted to, but she pressed on after having talked of staying for rest at Tavernay Castle, for a letter came from Versailles, they said, and she was off in three-quarters of an hour. A letter? Brought by the governor of Strasbourg. Lord Stainville, Duke Choiseul's brother, the mischief, whip on, postillion, faster, faster! The whip snapped, and Gilbert felt the vehicle jump with more velocity. "'We may outstrip her if she stops for breakfast, or at night,' meditated the woman. "'Postilion, which is the next town of any account?' "'Vitry.' "'Where do we change horses?' "'Vauclair.' "'Go on. But tell me if you see a string of carriages on the main road. Poor child!' She continued, seeing how pale Gilbert was. It was my fault for making him chatter when he is dying of hunger and thirst. To make up for the lost time, she took out a traveling flask with a silver cap as stopper, into which she poured a cordial. Drink that and eat a cake, she said, until you can have a substantial breakfast in an hour or two. Now, as you are a whit refreshed, Tell me, if you have any trust in me, what interest you have in following the carriage belonging to the Dauphiness's train. He related his story with much clearness. Cheer up, she said. I congratulate you, but you must know that one cannot live on courage at Versailles or Paris. But one can by toil. That's so. But you have not the hands of a craftsman or laborer. I will work with my head. Yes, you appear rather knowing. I know I am ignorant, said Gilbert, recalling Socrates. You will make a good doctor, then, since a doctor is one who administers drugs of which he knows little into a body of which he knows less. In ten years, I promise you my custom. I shall try to deserve the honor, lady, replied Gilbert. The horses were changed without their having overtaken the royal party, 
which had stopped for the same and to breakfast at Vitry. The lady offered bounteously for the distance between to be covered, but the postillion dared not outstrip the princess, a crime for which he would be sent to prison for life. "'If I might suggest,' observed Gilbert, "'you could cut ahead by a by-road.' The vehicle therefore turned off to the right and came out on the main road at Chalon. The princess had breakfasted at Vitry, but was so tired that she was reposting, having ordered the horses to be ready to start again at three or four p.m. This so delighted the lady traveller that she paid the postboy lavishly and said to Gilbert, "'We shall have a feast at the next posting-house.' But it was decreed that Gilbert should not dine there. The change of horses was to be at Chaussée village. The most remarkable object here was a man who stood in the mid-road as if on duty there. He looked along it, and on a long-tailed barb which was hitched to a wagon shutter, and neighed fretfully for its master to come out of the cottage. At length the man knocked on the shutter and called. "'I say, sir,' he demanded of the man who showed his head at the window, "'if you want to sell that horse, here is the customer.' "'Not for sale,' replied the peasant, banging the shutter too. This did not satisfy the stranger, who was a lusty man of forty, tall and ruddy, with coarse hands and lace ruffles. He wore a laced cocked hat crosswise like soldiers who want to scare rustics. "'You are not polite,' he said, hammering on the shutter. "'If you do not open, I shall smash in the blind.' The panel opened at this menace, and the clown reappeared. Who does this Arab belong to? A lady lodging here, who is very fond of it. Let me speak with her. Can't. She is sleeping. Ask her if she wants five hundred pistoles for the barb. That is a right royal price. And the rustic opened his eyes widely. Just so. The king wants the creature. You are not the king. But I represent him, and he is in a hurry. I must not wake her. Then I shall. And he swung up a cane with a gold head in his Herculean fist. But he lowered it without hitting, for at the same instant he caught sight of a carriage tearing up the slope behind three fagged horses. The skilled eye of the would-be buyer recognized the vehicle, for he rushed toward it with a speed the Arabian might have envied. It was the post-carriage of Gilbert's guardian angel, which the post-boy was enchanted to stop, on seeing the man wave him to do so, for he knew the nags would never reach the post-house. "'John, my dear John,' said the stranger, "'what joy that you turn up at last!' "'It is I, Jean,' replied the lady to whom was given this odd name. "'What are you doing here?' A pretty question, by Jove! I was waiting for you. The Hercules stepped on the folding step and kissed the lady through the window. Suddenly he caught sight of Gilbert and turned as black as a dog from which is snatched a bone, from not knowing the terms between the pair and the Berlin. It is a most amusing little philosopher whom I picked up, returned John, caring little whether she wounded the pet's feelings or not. On the road... But never mind him. Another matter indeed worries us. 
"'What about the old Countess of Bayern?' asked Jean. "'I have done the job, and she will come. "'I said I was her lawyer's daughter, Mademoiselle Flageau, "'and that, passing through Verdun, "'I repeated from my father that her case was coming on. "'I added that she must appear in person, "'whereupon she opened her grey eyes, took a pinch of snuff, "'and saying, Lawyer Flageau was the first of businessmen.' She gave orders for her departure. Splendid, Sean. I appoint you my ambassador extraordinary. Come and have breakfast. Only too glad, for this poor boy is dying of hunger. But we must make haste, for the Delphiness is only three leagues off. Plague! That changes the tune. Go on to the posting house with me hanging on as I am. In five minutes the coach was at the inn door, where Sean ordered cutlets, fowl, wine, and eggs, as they had to be off forthwith. "'Excuse me, lady, but it will have to be with your own horses, for all mine are out. If you find one at the manger, I will eat it.' "'You ought to have some, for the regulations require it. Let me tell you.' thundered Jean with a hectoring air. I am not the man to jest. If I had fifty in the stable, it would be the same as none, for they are all held in the Dauphiness's service. Fifty? And you would not let us have three? said Jean. I do not ask for eight, to which number royal highnesses are entitled, but three! "'You shall not have one,' returned the postmaster, springing in between the stables and the obstinate gentleman. "'Blunderhead! Do you know who I am?' cried the other, pale with rage. "'Viscount,' interposed Chon, "'in heaven's name, no disorder.' "'You are right, my dear. No more words, only deeds.' He turned to the innkeeper, saying, I shall shield you from responsibility by taking three horses myself. It must not be done, I tell ye. Do not help him harness, said the posting-house keeper to the grooms. Sean, said Sean, don't get into a scrape. On an errand one must put up with anything. Except delay, repeated Viscount Jean, with the utmost ease, and he began taking down three sets of harness which he threw on three horses' backs. "'Mind, master!' said the postmaster as he followed Jean, leading the horses out to the coach. "'This is high treason!' "'I am not stealing the royal horses, but taking them on loan.' The innkeeper rushed at the reins, but the strong man sent him spinning. "'Brother! Oh, brother!' screamed Sean. Only her brother? muttered Gilbert. End of chapter 14. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.